0: You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss spirit podcast with Ben
1: Garrett. This talk of champions. I've been Garrett at Spirit Bit on Twitter. On with me is David Johnson, my co worker at the Ole miss Spirit, OwensPirit.com the field of 247 Sports. Today's guest on the Modern Woodman phone line is Kermit Davis, Old men's basketball coach. Yes, it's football time, but basketball has now started preparing for practices to open up next month. So how did the summer go? The off season Talking to Kermit in just a little bit. David, what's up, man? How you doing?
0: I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited to be uh your brand-new co-host for the second ever. Yes. And And uh, looking forward to being a part of uh, Talk of Champions.
1: What it allows me to do yeah. is to take Brad and do one segment every week, as well as the post-game show, and also a bunch of individual things. But also, you and I just get to do what we do pretty much every day anyway, which is talk about Ole Miss for about an hour every single a- day.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, Ben and I have the best old Miss conversations on the phone that nobody ever knows about. So maybe some of that will kind of come to light now.
1: Maybe, yeah. Like, for example, the Darius Cox moves from defensive line to offensive line, swapping places essentially with Jalen Cunningham. What's with all these position changes, man, and the number changes?
0: You know what? You know, people, people have a tendency to kind of freak out going, oh, my God, they moved Jalen Cunningham to defensive line. That must mean we really need help on that side of the ball and now it's, oh my God, they've moved Ladarius Cox to the offensive line. We must not have any depth. That is not the case. I want to emphasize that. I think this is a coaching staff that looks at a young man and goes, you know what, maybe this is not working out, but he has the physical ability, the the characteristics and traits to perhaps excel at another position, and I think that's all that's going on. Jalen Cunningham, You know, what, what are we in year four with Jalen 18, 19, 20 year, year four with Jalen. Think about that. You know, he's really not played any significant snaps on the offensive side of the football. We've been waiting forever because he is very athletic for him to break into the lineup. Uh, When he's on the field, there always seems to be a a durability problem uh, an endurance issue, if you will. If he's in a rotation as a defensive tackle, I think you take that off the table where he's going out there in, 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 in certain situational duty and he can go a hundred percent for a snap or two without getting winded. And he was a defensive tackle all through high school. He was recruited as a defensive tackle. So um, I, I don't mind that move at all. LaDarius Cox over to the offensive line is a little bit surprising, but when you look at Ladarius, he's six foot four, he's 310 pounds, he's very athletic. Uh, you know, kind of physically reminds me a little bit of Jeremy Liggins, to be honest with you. So uh, you know, there's there's a learning curve he's gonna have to go through. Don't expect to see Ladarius Cox taking meaningful snaps against Louisville on September the sixth. There's a lot he's gonna have to learn about playing the offensive line. But he's still a young kid, he's only a sophomore. He's got this season and two more left at Ole Miss. And and who knows what he could turn into on that side of the ball. So I really applaud the coaching staff, Ben, for being willing to, uh, you know, to take the chance on these kids and put them in spots where they may be able to contribute and help the team more.
1: My only question is how often does this work out? Because I can only think of a couple of instances where a guy has moved positions well into his career and actually been really good? Like, for example, Marshay Green going from wide receiver to cornerback, Ken Lucas, same thing. When has it actually worked out with big-bodied guys like defensive lineman and offensive linemen?
0: You know, nothing particularly comes to mind, and that is a great point simply because what I was saying, you know, it, it not only takes athleticism to play on the offensive line, it takes knowing what you are doing, learning the techniques, proper pad level how to use your hands which is totally different from what you're doing on the defensive side of the ball so again there will be a learning curve there but I don't know I mean I think I think everybody is 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 an individual and I don't know that you can say as a whole these things don't work out Um, you know I think for these two players in particular may have been the best move
1: especially with Jalen because he's played defensive line before. And actually, when he came in, the surprise was they were going to try him as an offensive lineman rather than defensive line, because that's what he was recruited by for most schools that came after him, right?
0: Absolutely. That is exactly right. And, uh, you know, it was kind of out there in the grapevine. Hey, they're going to move this kid over to the O-line side once he gets here. And they certainly did that. And look, I mean, it's never been a talent issue with Jalen Cunningham playing on the offensive line. I think he struggled at times to grasp exactly what his assignments are. Um, and certainly he has had a durability issue, an endurance issue, uh, you know, and 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 that's something that gets overlooked with these big guys, 300 pound plus guys playing in a wide open up tempo spread styled offense. Dude, you got to be in great shape to be that big and to be able to stay up. And, you know, even though Jalen, you know, and it's been well-documented lost 50 pounds over the off season and on the hoof, Benny looks great. Um, you know, first couple of days of fall camp, I saw him uh leaving the field. You know, uh he had to had to go in. I don't know what they did inside, maybe gave him IVs or something, but uh was was struggling a little bit with the uh with the tempo of fall camp.
1: I just wish I'd have known about the position change when I had him on the podcast last week. When I talked to him, he was still an offensive lineman.
0: Yeah, yeah, no kidding, man. And I forget, I forget exactly how I found out about that, but I remember calling you and going, "Hey, I haven't listened to the podcast yet." <laughs> did Cunningham tell you he's made a position move? And uh, and it just happened rapidly like that, just like it did with Ladarius Cox. Of course, we didn't see the contact portion of camp on Saturday, of of the practice, of the scrimmage. Uh, that's when the move was made, and um, you know, had no way of knowing it.
1: So. Uh, Anyway, Ladarius Cox, now one of the big uglies up front in the offensive trenches. What do you remember about Jalen Cunningham as a defensive lineman coming out of high school? Because you covered that recruitment.
0: Yeah, he was ferocious, man. I mean, I, you know, he was highly talented, highly rated, uh, was a standout at the defensive tackle position in the Mississippi-Alabama game that year, of course, playing for the Bama team. And, uh, you know, there was no doubt uh, in a lot of people's minds that he was going to have a successful college career as a defensive tackle. But he also had a really good body to be a, a, a an outstanding interior offensive lineman on the college level. Uh, the staff at the time decided that's what they were gonna do with it. Hey, you know, I'll I'll give you i I'll give you one that worked out. I'll give you one that worked out. Just pops to mind. Terrence Metcalf was recruited to Ole Miss as a defensive tackle. I didn't know that. And he spent he spent the first day of fall count under Tommy Tuberville taking reps with the defensive tackles the very next day. They said, Hey Bob, you're going down there with the old lineman. I would say that one worked out pretty good.
1: Yeah. That one worked out well. They tried to move Deuce to linebacker, but he threatened to leave. So thank God that didn't happen.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The saints are very happy. That didn't happen. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's, it's all in the eyes of the coaching staff and what they see you as and what they think you are, but, but this shouldn't surprise anyone I mean, Lane showed you when he got here, he moved a bunch of quarterbacks out to wide receiver, right? I mean, because they evaluated them and figured, hey, these guys are probably never going to see the field quarterback. That includes Grant Hisdale that they moved to wide receiver, as well as the kid they signed last year that's now at Arkansas, uh, as Cade Renfro, moved him to wide receiver as well. And he's walked on at Arkansas as a quarterback. So, uh You know, I don't mind at all the staff being bold enough to evaluate talent and go, this guy could probably help us at this position. And, of course, moving from D-line to O-line is really not as much like moving a a cornerback to safety or a safety to wide receiver uh, because there's so much at those positions that relies on sheer athleticism. Uh, You've got to know how to play the game on the D-line and the O-line.
1: Well, these aren't the only other position changes they've made either. John Rice is obviously wide receiver, but but Jamar Richardson's playing wide receiver. That was kind of random to start fall camp. They do this. They experiment because they don't want to waste roster spots. If they can get any kind of value out of you, they're going to move you to the place where they think they can get that little bit of value. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And it's best for the kid too. I mean, every player wants to play. That's the bottom line. And you're not happy if you're stuck at a position where you're not going to get on the field. You're not going to get any meaningful snaps. Uh, because I'm going to tell you, most, I'd say 90% of those kids out there harbor NFL dreams until they they don't. And, uh, you know, no NFL scout's going to look at you if you're getting two or three snaps a game on Saturday. So you want to go to a spot where you can contribute as well. And obviously there have been conversations with Jalen Cunningham and with Darius Cox, and they were certainly willing to make those position changes for the sake of their own careers, as well as being able to help the team.
1: Well, another offensive lineman has come to Ole Miss, Jordan Rose from South Carolina. You were ahead of this. You said it was going to happen. You didn't know if he'd be immediately eligible or not, but he is going to be immediately eligible. How does he factor in now that it's been announced that he's coming to Ole Miss?
0: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, to be immediately eligible explains everything. I mean, we've talked all offseason and well into fall camp, that if you're looking for Achilles on the offensive side of the football, it's depth at the tackle positions. Jeremy James and Nick Broker are two of the best offensive tackles in the SEC. I, I firmly believe that, but if either one of those guys had to leave the field. I think Ole Miss is in trouble right now. They're quickly developing depth behind them. But again, a tremendous chess move by Lane Kiffin and his staff to go, Hey, This guy is an SEC caliber offensive lineman. He played in 20 games at South Carolina. Uh, He is immediately eligible. He is an offensive tackle. He can also play guard, but he is an offensive tackle, and we need help there. Why not bring this guy in? That's why you save those spots. You don't use all of them in the summertime because you don't know what's going to pop up in the portal. Now, I will admit – I don't know the understanding behind his immediate eligibility. This guy was on the practice field with the South Carolina Gamecocks 10 days ago, Ben. Just entered the portal, uh, I want to say nine days ago. and uh, But but somehow or another, and it may be the fact that he is a postgraduate transfer. He is immediately eligible. Uh, Ole Miss had that in their release this morning. I double-checked that with the football staff. He can play right now. And this is a kid they're going to try to get ready in a hurry so that they've got some experience in a backup capacity at those tackle positions.
1: Different world we're living in right now, man, because roster construction's not done. It's never done. It's a constantly evolving thing.
0: 100%. Absolutely. Uh, Somebody asked me a week or so ago if I expected any additions to the roster during fall camp or any attrition. And I said, look, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, we, we just don't know. It's a daily thing that you have to check out, you know, and, uh, that's, that's the bottom line. I mean, and it's a yearly thing. Look, I mean, gosh, dog Ben, you factor in this whole NIL situation and, you know, Hey, we're not dumb. That's going to play into some things. I mean, let's just say hypothetically that you know you have an offensive player that has an outstanding year this year, um, but he's got another year left to play, and he's not draft eligible. And another school through back channels and the back channels are are, are everywhere, goes, you know what? We got a million dollar NIL deal waiting on you out here. If you want to come play your last year here, then that stuff is going to happen. That stuff is happening, and uh, you know who can control it? Nobody, no one can control. It. So uh, you know, just just brace yourselves, brace yourselves for that.
1: Yeah, because I was saying for the longest time that look. Roster construction is not going to be done until they kick off their first game. But even then, it's not going to be done. There's going to be guys that leave during the season and enter the portal. That's just how it is now. So it is a yearly thing. It's a year-round thing. It's constantly evaluating your own roster and also looking at other rosters. I mean, it's not like this guy just popped up on Ole Miss's radar when he entered the portal. They knew about this kid. They had to. Just like Jacquez Jones going to Kentucky, John Sumrall was the one that got him to Kentucky. He knew he was going to go into the portal, and once he did go to the portal, he knew where he was going to go. So this kid knew where he was going to go right when he entered the portal. He was going to go to Ole Miss. No
0: player with any level of intelligence is going to enter the portal without prior contact with other institutions, whether it's back channels or uh, illegal solicitation. When you see a kid pop in the portal, if they are smart, They already know where they're going. They've got option A, B, C, D, E, F lined up. And, um, you know, if they don't, those are the kids that a lot of them that you see still in the portal with no place to go.
1: Yeah, that's the worst part about it is guys out there. That's the only problem with the portal is guys that enter the portal and don't know where they're going to go because they look at guys that land from Ole Miss to – Florida or Indiana, like a Ryder Anderson or John Haynes and think, Oh, that's how it is for everybody. And it's not. And we've talked about this before. It's not that way for everybody.
0: Grant Tisdale is now playing football at Cisco community college in Cisco, Texas. A few years back, he was a four-star recruit with with many offers from power five programs. It's kind of like a car. Once you drive yourself off the lot, most of the time your sticker value goes down.
1: That's the most succinct way to put it. It's true because they look at the new shiny object in the next recruiting class or in the portal. But if you're one of those guys that was just a depth piece, no matter your previous recruiting profile, it doesn't matter. If you aren't one of those guys that's just the cream of the crop Uh, they're going for the shiny new object over you. It's just, it's unfortunate. Okay. I want to move on from this because one thing that I haven't talked to you about at length on this podcast, because you've been at every single practice, you've seen everything is what are your general takeaways? Cause look, me and Brad have been talking about this for a while, but like I said, you've been out there every single day through two full weeks. What is your biggest takeaway right now?
0: That the offense is going to be better than even expected. Um, I am very bullish on what I've seen on the offensive side of the football. Matt Corral in camp is the best looking Ole Miss quarterback I've seen in the last 12 years on this beat. Mm. And there've been some very good ones come through here. He has complete control in a masterful sense of what he is doing on the field. Uh, And, you know, that can be said really and truly of the entire offense. We have not seen the, illegal procedure penalties, holding calls or anything like that. in any of these, uh, referee scrimmages, they all know what they're doing. They're a smooth running machine. Um, I do think that the, the pass targets are going to be much more equally distributed this year, but, um, you know, and, and that doesn't mean the tight end is not going to be a weapon in this offense this season, because I think, I think it's going to be, um, You know, um, I think the wide receiver room is is excellent. There's not an Elijah Moore in there, but there are all kind of different pieces and parts. So biggest takeaway, I think this offense can be even better than it was last year, primarily because of Matt Corral. And let's give these big guys upfront credit. And again, we're talking about moving roster pieces. Look, they sat back in, in, in the summertime, the early summer and said, you know what? We've got an issue at center. We we need a center. They went and got one. He's only been on campus since July. Um, but they went out and addressed a need. The offense is humming. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball, and I've thought about this, you know, they scrimmaged, what, two Sundays ago, and the defense did not have a good day. In all honesty, everything I've seen from that defense this fall camp, that day was an anomaly because every other day, I've seen things on the defensive side of the football that um, have been impressive. That makes you go. This defense is going to be a lot better. Um, So, you know, again, I'm not going to be sold on it till I see it in action versus Louisville, but the signs are there that this is going to be a more effective unit, if you will, this season. Uh, The other takeaway is get ready. I think you got one of the best place kickers in the sec, which is going to be, quite a change for Ole Miss football. Uh, Watching Caden Costa, I've seen him boom several field goals from 50 yards plus with plenty of leg. I'd venture to say some of them would have been good from 60 yards out. Uh, He seems to be a very confident kid, which is certainly important at the kicking position. And uh, I'm excited about the Rebels having a kicking game this year. And I think the fact that uh, Caden Costa has such a big leg I don't think you're going to see Lane go for it as much on fourth down in plus territory anymore because I think, I think you're going to have automatic three-point guy. And, um, you know, I'd say those would be my biggest takeaways right
1: now. Is it obvious with Caden Costa that he's the best kicker out there?
0: Yeah, I think so. I mean, that's nothing. I'm going to tell you what, Cal Nation's been impressive as well. He's got a big leg, too. But look, man, they scholarship. This guy as a high school guy. You know, he's a true freshman kicker on scholarship. You don't see that at most programs. When you put a kid, when you use one of your 85 scholarships on a kicker right out of high school, the expectations are written on the wall. He is going to be your guy. He better be your guy. And, uh, you know, in the scrimmage that we saw, he kicked all the PATs and field goals for the first team offense. So, uh, I think he's positioned to be the guy. I'd be very surprised if Caden Costa isn't the Rebels' place kicker against Louisville.
1: You know what was the most unsurprising development of fall camp so far for me is after the defense was so bad in that first scrimmage, for Lane Kiffin to come back and go, oh, well, you want, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't as bad as I remembered it. After I watched the film, yeah. and then they got a little bit better. We see that every single fall camp when there's a narrative that comes out or anything that is made public that might be negative in some way, they're quick to say, oh, no, it wasn't, it wasn't as bad. We don't know what the defense is going to look like until they play a game. Yes, they're going to be improved. I refuse to believe with the influx of talent they're not going to be improved. But it was so unsurprising after that bad day for them to turn around and go, oh, "I wasn't that bad. And also, hey, man, good day for the defense today. That's just what they do.
0: Yeah, part of that is psychological. Look, you can't go in front of the media like Lane did that Sunday following he was scrimmage. Pissed. Yeah, and say how bad they looked because they read this stuff. Okay, they watch the press conferences. They being the players, and you know psychologically, hey, you got when you tear them down, you got to build them back up. So uh, you're right; it wasn't that surprising. Uh, but um, I mean, I charted the entire scrimmage. First team offense was unstoppable. Okay, and and you know there was some parsing of language about against the ones and against the twos. But to be honest with you, the scrimmage I saw, you could not tell who were the ones and who were the twos due to the heavy rotation and substitutions. They did the entire scrimmage. So, you know, I don't necessarily agree with the fact that the ones did their damage against the two defense and and vice versa, Uh, because uh, you would see guys that, you know, are starters, Sam Williams, for instance, repping with uh, repping against both the first team and the second team offense, several
1: other guys as well. So if you had to guess what the first team defense is right now, just put a guess for it. Ooh, what would it be?
0: Man, 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 that's good. Um, Sam Williams on one side, Cedric Johnson on the other. Um, in the the interior spots, if we're, we're just going to say we're running a 4-3 right here, um, you know, I, I think you're going to see – Jamon Gordon, Isaiah Iightin, Katie Hill, um, probably as 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 maybe kind of the first three. Uh Tariq is Tisdale as well. Uh I think a third down situations, you're gonna see Tisdale play it play a nose. Uh I've seen him do that some in fall camp. So you gotta make sure guys in there. It is so hard to go. Starters on the defensive line because the rotation is so heavy, but those are the guys that I would look for. We haven't seen Tavius Robinson in a week, so uh, yeah, we're hesitant he? to. Uh, well, he's injured with an undisclosed injury. Oh. But as Lane says, no injuries have occurred to anybody who would be significant contributors this fall. So we're expecting him back on the field. This week, as a matter of fact, I heard that from a pretty good source last week that he'd be back in the saddle. They're just kind of being overly cautious to not uh, let some kind of nagging thing turn into something that might cost him games. So, uh, and I get that. Linebacker wise, I mean, you know, you've got Chance Campbell. You got to start talking with him, Uh, you know, talking about it first with him. Uh, I think he's a very good addition in terms of the intelligence he brings on the field. Uh, knowing where to be, what angles to take. He's a tough, gritty kid. Uh, I don't know necessarily that uh, he brings anything to the linebacker room in terms of speed that increases speed within that room. But uh, he's a guy who's going to stick his head in. I think he likes contact. He likes to tackle. Uh, then Momo Sanogo, Mark Robinson. Uh, help me out here. Who am I forgetting like about? He, uh... Um yeah. Look here, Henry. Uh, you know, I think you're good with your linebacker rotation. Uh, then with the secondary, there's so many different formations and variations of what we see with guys creeping up and playing a nickel or playing a true Rover position, uh, corners, rotating and flip-flopping safeties, rotating, and flip-flopping. I mean, I, I honestly feel good about the depth in the secondary and man, it could be really interesting. Any of 12 guys, that we see first on the field against Louisville. Uh, you know, as far as guys I fully expect to be out there, I would start.
1: I would feel like Otis with, Reese is the only uh, for sure, no doubt guy in the secondary to start. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I would start with Reese. And then, honestly, a kid I think has had an incredible camp is Keith Ron Smith. Uh, I mean, man, I've seen him in, in correct positions and batting passes down, intercepting balls. Kudron looks like he's found another gear. I would think those two would would, would would be definites. I think it's still up in the air with everybody else in terms of who's first on the field. But starting on the defense, particularly what we saw in fall camp, right now is just semantical because, man, they are flying. They're parading bodies throughout there, throughout the entire practice. So we'll see what comes out in the wash. That's, that's the best I can tell you about the secondary.
1: Which freshman have the look, you know, they're going to be good players. We always know certain guys.
0: Tashim Johnson. Yeah. Tashim Johnson. He is going to contribute back there. If not start this year, um, as a safety and these safeties play some, sometimes they're playing free. Sometimes they're playing, playing strong. Sometimes they're creeping into the box. I mean, it's really kind of hard to describe what you're seeing out there. And it's prohibited to describe too, by the way. Uh, so, uh, you know it, it's going to be entertaining. There's depth back there, and I think it's quality depth. Um, you know, again, I think the biggest question mark on the on the defense right now is that defensive line. If they stay healthy, I think the depth is going to be there. They're going to have good enough depth to be better in the trenches. Uh, but the you know, knock on wood, they've got to stay healthy. They can't start losing guys.
1: Any true freshman on offense, you think going to really contribute against Louisville? Well, great question.
0: I think if you do see a true freshman contribute against Little on the offensive side of the ball, it's gonna be with the wide receivers and tight end, Hudson Wolf. Uh he's a guy that I failed to mention just a few minutes ago. That um, you know, if Hudson is completely healthy and he is getting closer and closer to that mark, according to Lane, uh still in a black limited jersey, but uh participating in, 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 in the drills. And uh, I think Hudson Wolf could be a contributor. Uh, the kid's got a great tight end body. He's got an NFL tight end kind of body. Uh, so Hudson Wolf, I would say Braylon Brown, whose status is mysterious right now. Uh, you know, hasn't practiced in a while. I think he was on a path to be a guy that could contribute against Louisville. But right now I, you know, wouldn't surprise me if a, if a true freshman receiver, Maybe caught a pass or two, but Hudson Wolf would be my guy.
1: Okay. So the tight end position was such an area of emphasis in the offseason, and we talked about it, how there was a glaring hole there. We thought they were going to add somebody, and they didn't. Do you feel comfortable with Chase Rogers and Hudson Wolf?
0: You know, I think Chase Rogers has really stepped it up, and he's had an outstanding count. Um, He is – you can see that he's becoming more involved in their passing game. He's always been a very physical tight end that will, will put his hand in his dirt and move people. Uh, you know, he's really never been asked to be much of a pass threat here at Ole Miss, but now he is being. Uh, caught a, t- a touchdown pass in the red zone the other day. Um, you know, and has shown pretty good hands and pretty crisp route running. So uh, I can tell you this much. I don't think Lane Kiffin and Jeff Levy are going to go, ah, we're just going to use a tight end as a dummy position this year. They're going to throw to the tight end still. Rogers could be an answer there. I think Hudson Wolf, as we were talking about, could be an answer there. Uh, Demarcus Thomas, uh, you know, he's a guy that is capable uh, of playing there. But to be honest with you, you just get the sense that Demarcus right now, in what, 14 days of fall camp under their belts, is probably the number three guy. Um, you know, which is a little bit surprising after watching the Grove Bowl, and things like that. Of course, Hudson Wolf was not available in the Grove Bowl. Um, but that's kind of the, the the feeling I got. Could be totally wrong. I'm just seeing Chase Rogers and Hudson Wolf doing more at the tight end position, you know, in what I've seen in fall camp at this point.
1: What is the Casey Kelly update?
0: Yeah, Casey's out there, not dressed, uh, got a brace on his knee. Um, you know, you would hope he would be ready, you know, Sometime during the season, and then it's going to be a question of, you know, do you, do you do you, use him, you know, for half the season and waste a year of eligibility? What exactly do you do? It'd be great if Casey got back in the mix. So far, he's not out there, uh, you know, other than being out there, T-shirt, shorts, and uh, doing interesting things on the sidelines while practice is going on, uh, riding a bike, things like that. Uh, so, uh, you know, we're just going to have to see when he returns. Everything I hear, he's on pro- on, on track, progressing great. They just don't want to rush anything. And I don't blame them.
1: Is there concern that Orlando Uman is not going to be ready for Louisville?
0: You know, obviously, there were reports out Friday night that uh, he was going to have to have surgery. Now, the thing you got to remember is that, you know, it may be a, a finger surgery you know, that you're you're back out there in a week, okay? So, you know, surgery doesn't necessarily mean you're out, depending on what it is. I was on the field when I think he was injured. Uh, it appeared to be his right arm, and uh, he was walked off and over to the side, did not return. Uh, since then, though, we have seen him back out there when they're practicing in shells. With shoulder pad and helmet on and going through drills, uh, he was not out there on our last viewing on Saturday, but according to my sources that I've talked to, and I've talked to multiple sources within the program who were kind enough to put a bug in my ear, they expect him back on the practice field this week, and I was told in no shape, form, or fashion would he miss the opener versus Louisville. And that's all I can tell you. That's what I'm being told. I opened the press conference up Saturday to, and gave Lane Kiffin every opportunity to say oh, Orlando Amana is injured and is in, and it's a significant injury. Lane said no significant injuries to anyone who is expected to play for us this season. <clears throat> so, you know, put a little caveat in there because Braylon Brown probably doesn't fall into that category in terms of expected to play this season. But Orlando Amana certainly does. So what I'm hearing on the inside is he's going to be fine. He's going to play in the season opener. And Lane Kiffin is essentially saying the very same thing.
1: Don't you love injury intrigue that Lane Kiffin loves to play into? Or maybe he just avoids altogether talking about injuries. But the injury intrigue is always great. I love that about fall camp. I'm dripping with sarcasm right now. It's
0: obvious. Everyone knows what Lane's policy is. He does not discuss injuries. So you have to ask him about those injuries in a broad spectrum and give him the opportunity to say what he has to say or what he wants to say. And you're also giving him the opportunity to not say uh, what might need to be said. But according to Lane Kiffin, Orlando Amana is going to be fine. It is not out for any significant injury.
1: not. Huh. So blame him. Blame him if he ends up being out for the year or something. Okay, a few quick hitter things before we jump to Kermit Davis. Number one, MVP of the offense through fall camp is who? Matt Corral. Absolutely. Correct. Defensive MVP. Who? Yeah. Man.
0: Man, that's tough. You know, and – Oh. Uh, you know who i want to give it to? I'm going to give it to Sam Williams. Oh. Every time, every time I see Sam <clears> – <throat> He his motor is running a hundred percent. That's always been the knock on him, Ben. He'll he'll be a superstar for a play or two, and then he'll take three or four off. I have not seen that from Sam Williams in this camp. I think Sam realizes this is his draft year. He can't cut that motor off or down. And I haven't seen it from him. He's he, he's been a a spectacle in terms of uh, flashing on the defensive side of the ball.
1: Now wearing number seven, switch from number 13, taking Ladarius Cox's former number. Now he's on the offensive line. All right. Emerging offensive player who's impressed you through fall count. Okay. Um, keyword being emerging. Right. Hasn't broken out yet, Jeremy, but could be on the, be on the um, edge there. Jeremy James.
0: Jeremy James has the dubious task of replacing Royce Newman at right tackle. And Royce Newman, as all offensive linemen uh, usually are, was not noticed as a stellar player at Ole Miss in his career until Mel Kuyper finally said something about it. And I say not noticed by the general public, okay? Because nobody watches O-line play. Royce Newman is on the verge of starting for the Green Bay Packers as a rookie. Mm -hmm. Jeremy James has to take over that spot this year. And football eyes will be on Jeremy James. He has made that move very smoothly. And I got a prediction to make. And I made the same prediction. I'm going to toot my own horn here <laughs> about Royce Newman. Okay, well, Royce got no love from the fans, you know, not 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 like other guys who are projected to go to the NFL during his career at Ole Miss. Jeremy James going to follow the same path. I think Jeremy James is the best offensive line prospect I agree. on the NFL O-line prospect on the Ole Miss roster. He will be drafted higher than anybody else on that Ole Miss offensive line. And I think there are two, maybe even three others that have an NFL future in front of them. Jeremy James is the guy. Jeremy James has all the tools and uh, you know, honestly, Ole Miss fans aren't swarming him for his autograph right now. And I don't even think Jeremy's charging anything, <laughs> you know? I mean, he's, I'm telling you, if you want to have some fun watching Ole Miss football, watch number 78 this year. He is one of the best offensive linemen in the SEC, and and nobody knows it. Nobody knows it.
1: So, okay, David, do you like Jeremy James? Do you think he's good? I'm kidding.
0: Look, I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you, Jeremy James is going to be drafted, and I am i don't think he goes after this year. I think he comes back. And if he stays on this path and stays healthy, I think after the 2022 season, Jeremy James could go as high as second round in the NFL draft. That's how high I'm, I am on Jeremy James. And look, when I watch a football game, I watch the offensive line. I've I, I studied the offensive line. I know a little something about the offensive line. Jeremy James is the stud up front on the Ole Miss offensive line, and nobody knows it. Ben and I are telling you guys, Jeremy James is a stud right now.
1: Last one, emerging defensive player. Who's impressed you?
0: Ooh, Keydron Smith, man.
1: That's right. I'm telling
0: yeah. you, I, I love Keedron Smith. I, I've loved, Let me say this. I love what I have seen from Keydron this year uh, in in fall camp. I'll also say this. Keep an eye on Miles Battle. I think he's going to be a big-time contributor back there.
1: That's my Uh, guy right there. I
0: was able to – listen, I was was able to spend two or three hours with Miles earlier this summer out at the Momo football camp. And uh, good God, he looks like a linebacker, man. He's big. He's fast. He's lost no speed. I wouldn't want to be a, a receiver going up for a ball and miles battle track in my steps because he's got the body to break you in half. And, uh, you know, so I, you know, those two guys keep an eye on them, you know, that's, that's what I would do. And Cedric Johnson got to, got to mention said
1: another one of Ben's uh, guys think, right there, Cedric Johnson.
0: I, I'll give you credit for that. I think said is about to have a big year. I really do. Um, you know, and <clears throat> I would say Tavius Robinson better hurry up and get back on the practice field <laughs> or you're going to see a lot more Cedric Johnson than Tavius Robinson this year.
1: He's David Johnson at Rebels247 on Twitter. We both write for the Old Miss Spirit, omspirit.com and for the 247 Sports. Thanks, man. I appreciate you. All right. Can't wait till next time. That was David Johnson at Rebels247 on Twitter. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit. Ben on Twitter. We both write for the Old Miss Spirit omspirit.com, and foot of 247 Sports. Got Kermit Davis coming up, Ole Miss men's basketball coach on the Modern Woman phone line. Before we jump to him, if you haven't already subscribed, Review Talk of Champions on iTunes, and when you do, leave a five-star review. Doesn't matter what you say as long as it's five stars. Also available in SoundCloud, Spotify, Amazon Music. Wherever you get your podcast. just simply search Talk of Champions, and we'll be there. Bradley Sal is going to be back on Thursday for the full show, but every single week it's going to be me and David, And Brad is going to be a guest on either Tuesday or Thursday for a football segment of about 20 to 30 minutes. And then we're going to have the post-game show. And then anytime there's any kind of big development in Ole Miss sports, recruiting, football, doesn't matter, it's going to be me and Brad. So Brad's role is expanding here on Talk of Champions. He wanted to do more. I want him to do more. But I couldn't ask him to do six shows a week. Four? Sure. So be prepared for a lot of Bradley Sound, a lot of David Johnson, and a lot more Talk of Champions coming to you on the Ole Miss Spirit and wherever you get your podcasts. Going now to the Modern Woodman phone line to speak to Kermit Davis. Before we do, let's hear from BA Bank and Modern Woodman, two proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. Are you looking for a career change? Maybe COVID threw you for a loop. Maybe it's time that you did something else. Maybe you're just tired of working nine to five for 40 hours every week just to make money for someone else. Well, our phone line sponsor, Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, is looking to hire new financial representatives here in Mississippi. No background experience is necessary. You do have to be a resident of Mississippi, but what he's looking for is someone who is highly self-motivated and wants to make a difference in the lives of others. A full-time position comes with benefits such as health insurance, a matching 401k, and a pension plan. Don't wait around anymore. It's time to make a change. So for more information, feel free to reach out to Thomas Chandler today directly through Facebook or his number at 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. Make the change. Thomas Chandler of Modern Women, the title sponsor of Talk of Champions.
0: The Modern Woodman phone line. Cool. We'll talk. No big whoop. No big whoop. Where the best Ole Miss guests from far and wide drop in to talk the very latest in
1: rebel sports. (laughs) Modern Woodman. Let's make a difference together. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit. Ben on Twitter. Going now to the Modern Woodman phone line to speak to Ole Miss men's basketball coach Kermit Davis. Kermit, what's up, man? How you doing?
2: Doing great, Ben. First day of school—that never gets old. I think it's number thirty-nine for me. I told my guys it's number thirty-nine being part of a first team meeting. So uh, uh, yesterday, and uh, I know it's a little different these days, but guys, just good to kind of sense a vibe around the campus at Ole Miss.
1: How different is it, number thirty-nine compared to number one?
2: (laughs) Well, a lot less hair, (laughs) probably four pounds. A lot more experience. I wish I knew then what I know now. I think I'd have won a bunch more games. But uh, but it uh, does. It's a good feeling, and uh, uh, especially when you when you really like coming to the gym with your team.
1: Well, what is the first day like? What what is the schedule like now? How does it change compared to what it's been like for the last six to eight weeks?
2: Yeah, you know Ben, I was saying you know when the first team meeting was such a big big deal way back because you couldn't have your guys all summer. If they were on campus, maybe working a few of them, you couldn't watch them play, you couldn't work them out, and then official practice didn't start until October fifteenth. So, you know, now you've had them for eight weeks, but still you're coming back. It's it's the main quick thing of, you know, obviously academics and schedule from the fall, uh, from nutrition, uh, from uh, COVID, you know, responsibility. Strength and conditioning, and then I'll talk about just expectations in the fall. You know, for only about ten minutes, so it's about a forty-minute meeting, and then uh, uh, then our guys are off and running today.
1: What was the last six to eight weeks like as far as the work y'all got in?
2: It was good, uh, Ben. Really good.
1: I, I really enjoyed our
2: team. We've got a, we've got had some really good guys here since I've been here that like basketball, but it's not even close to number of collection of guys. Who stay in this gym, uh, doing extra work, uh, love basketball. Uh, so we, we've got work to do for sure, but uh, but I do. I think we've got a real chance and a uh, uh, fun group to come to the gym with. As far as
1: goals are concerned, do you set them for individuals or is it a team-wide thing? And did you accomplish what you wanted to accomplish in the summer?
2: Yeah, you know, we don't talk a lot about goals. I think it's understood. We're trying to win an SEC regular season championship. I think it's understood uh, to be an NCAA tournament team, an opportunity to win games. And and then individually, yeah. I mean, we, you know, we'll meet individually two or three times. I, I see my guys all the time, but really kind of sit down, you know, and talk about it at the end of their July, what, what they got better at, what are some of the things we've got to focus on, whether it's strength and conditioning, whether it's weight, whatever it may be. And um, and you know yeah we set a lot of individual goals for them I don't know if we say hey, you're gonna be first team all SEC or first team all American it's just trying to be the best version of yourself every single day and the, the biggest emphasis I think Ben is just just doing the simple things over and over and over again and then what are those simple things you know and if, whether it's you or me I mean sleep diet. Uh, uh lifting be receptive to coaching academic responsibility I mean all the different small things that that make you be a an, uh, an elite player in our league
1: well you've got a lot of newcomers like you did last year and incorporating them in is a lot easier I would assume because of the veteran guys that you brought in like a Jamin or a Ty Fagan they've been through this stuff before so what was that like just incorporating them in and how have they kind of taken to your style and, and your program
2: yeah you know um I
1: love the guys we have returning, seven including John McBride.
2: They know our program. They work. uh, They're very responsible. And, uh, you know, kind of starting with Jarkel and Luis. And those guys are are great, great leaders. And then, like you said, you bring in three, you know, veteran guys and three power five guys, you know, whether it's Ty Fagan, you know, Georgia or uh, Nas Brooks from Miami or Jamin at Duke. So those, all those guys have really, really good experience. So really you kind of got 10 guys in our locker room, including John, that have experience uh, to really help those four uh, young freshmen.
1: So coming up the next couple of months before the season opens in November, what is the program like under you? What are you going to be doing with these guys? What are they going to be going through?
2: Yeah, you know, we're going to we'll lift. We we'll lifted four days a week. Uh, we'll lift three days a week, do conditioning in the morning, Uh, Tuesday and Thursday mornings, and it's all basketball, you know, in the gym, where we're not outside. Uh, Riley did a great job in our strength conditioning. We're allowed four hours a week, uh, Riley on the floor, I mean, uh, being on the floor, and and we'll do that. Uh, The official practice for us starts September 29th, uh, and so that's the first day that we'll kind of go into the 20-hour rule a week you know, that we can kind of get into uh, to longer periods of time. Uh, we're going to scrimmage Ohio State um, in October, which will be uh, great for, for us. I think it'll be great for Ohio State. And uh, kind of give us a, a point toward the end of October, we'll scrimmage them uh, in that closed scrimmage on a neutral site. And uh, that'll give us something, you know, really good to look
1: forward to. Did you get out of the summer healthy?
2: Uh, we did. And then uh, Deshaun nicked up his knee in a pickup game in Jackson while he was home. Uh, he's going to be out for about three weeks. He's probably been a week into it. Uh, he's doing great in rehab uh, and had had surgery. And so uh, he's been very responsible in, in his rehab. So right now, uh, he's really the only one we have uh, we're 13 out of 15 are vaccinated. We have one that's Coming out of his 90-day window, will be back, start his two-shot series today. We have one in a social uh, kind of contact situation for hopefully only seven days. Uh, that's unvaccinated. And uh, so really kind of this week, we'll be at uh, uh, kind of down two guys.
1: Having 13 of 15 vaccinated, was that an emphasis for you? And how early did y'all hit that benchmark? Oh, really back in May with our returning guys. Our returning
2: guys ran to get vaccinated. I mean, they understood the responsibility, understood what they did Uh, last year. Our whole building, we've been at 13 out of 15 for a long, long time. And uh, we'll we'll, we'll get to 100%. And uh, I I just think it's just a responsible thing to do uh, for everybody, our safety, their safety. And uh, it gives our team the best chance to be on the floor uh for periods of time
1: yeah and you and i've talked about this a little bit too how it's a competitive advantage for those that do have high vaccination rates and coaches emphasizing that with the players knowing that hey look man you could forfeit games if you don't get vaccinated i think that's kind of what has kickstarted a lot of these um, spikes in vaccination rates for players and understanding that if i don't get in there and get vaccinated i don't know if we're going to be able to not i don't want to be responsible uh for the team forfeiting a game losing a game
2: no question i mean you've already seen it in professional athletics whether it's golfers that maybe have cost themselves millions of dollars uh, or maybe a, an NFL player, wherever it may be, you know, but just, it gives you the best chance then, you know, to, to be vaccinated. And I I know there's, there's, there's different sides of all the things, but at the end of the day, I, I sure hope we can trust our country and hope the science scientists are a heck of a lot smarter than us. And I know it's a huge, huge emphasis as we've all seen around the sec and, like Lane's team and other teams on our campus are are doing really good jobs, and uh, you know it's just something we got to preach, and hopefully our leadership will will follow through with the remainder of our student body on campus.
1: Well, it's obviously a lot different this year compared to last year in as far as preparation for the season and where everything was compared to now. So is it feeling more normal? Is the preparation more normal? Are you on a more normal schedule now? that you do not only have guys vaccinated, but it is getting back to more of a normal schedule.
2: Yeah, Ben, we're on a total normal schedule in the uh, in the summer, in June and July. Obviously, it was way out of kilter uh, last summer. Uh, I do, I feel it back to normal. Uh, it's great just to ride down on Sunday and or Saturday and, and watch Rush going through and, and the young ladies on campus and, and Matt's kind of going through and, and students back. Uh, up on the square, moving around and seeing students and parents, and you everybody can just feel the vibe. And uh, it's such a great feeling for everybody here and, uh, in Oxford uh, and Ole Miss.
1: It's kind of an understood question here, but how weird was it last year, not playing with fans, every protocol that you had to go through? How hard was it?
2: Yeah, you know, uh, I have so much respect. I've said it before how the athletes around just college athletics thing they went through and and not really have an experience of a of a of a year academically uh, you know from going on campus and seeing everybody. Uh, but it was different, especially for us. I mean everybody has their COVID story then, but you know, when we were just in practice from November 17th to December 7th and then started playing, uh, did it affect our team? It sure did. But I was proud of our guys, how they responded. And uh, everybody has a COVID story. Uh, so that's something we'll look back probably on in 8 or 10, 15 years ago. Gosh, almighty, that was strange to watch a Final Four with no fans and, and to see everything uh, come back to semblance, especially when you saw college baseball, you know, start playing here on campus. And gosh, then it gave, gave us all hope. This is how the real world used to look all the time.
1: We'll get right back to Kermit Davis in this edition of Talk of Champions after I tell you briefly about Alan Samuel Scarsler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford and Chinese Pharmacy. Two proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. What's your schedule looking like this fall? Don't answer that. I already know. Ole Miss football Saturdays, right? It's all back, and you're going to be there. Well, when you're making those trips, why not go in style? In the dream car, truck, or Jeep you've always wanted. Well, the only place to go for your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep is Alan Samuel's Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford new and used sales to parts and service, Alan Samuels of Oxford aims to provide a truly stellar automotive experience. And what separates Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford from every other dealership is Alan Samuels aims to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. They're going to get you into your dream car at a price point you can afford and the process is going to be as seamless as possible. Most everyone who's listened to this podcast should know by now, I only vouch for sponsors I truly believe in. Well, Alan Samuels has been with me the longest. I myself have bought a car from Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, and there's no better car buying experience. Make sure to ask for Byron or Mason and tell them that Talk of Champions sent you so that you can take advantage of any one or more of the services Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford provides. Contact them today at 662-234-8000. That's 662-234-8000. It's Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford at 2201 East University Avenue. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. Let's be friends. It's the most wonderful time of the year. No, it's not Christmas time. It's football season, specifically Ole Miss football season. You want to be there, right? In the Grove, in Vaught-Hemingway Stadium, cheering on the Rebels every single Saturday. The only way to do that is to make sure you're healthy, to take care of yourself, to have a pharmacy that you can trust. Well, there's only one pharmacy in Oxford, Mississippi that can do just that, Cheney's Pharmacy. A locally owned pharmacy that's been in Oxford for over 40 years as red and blue as the rebels themselves Chinese pharmacy offers prescription synchronization immunizations compounding a two-lane drive-through and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time Chinese also accepts all third-party insurance Chinese pharmacy provides the best customer service out there hands down it's not close so give Chinese a call 662-234-7221 or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can visit them online at chinesepharmacy.com Make sure your pharmacy is one you can trust. Chinese Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. Well, now that you've actually had your team for a couple of months, what do you like about them and what do you want to work on over the next couple of months and then leading up into the season?
2: Yeah. I mean, our, it's the most complete roster. We've had a lot of really, really good players here. Uh, But I think from one through 13, our most complete roster, Uh, shooting jumps out to me uh, as far as a better uh, collection, hopefully shooting team, um, I think we have a chance to be a really good offensive transition team. Uh, we've got to get tougher. Uh, we've got to, to guard better. Uh, but that's with, with a bunch of teams. Uh, we've had some guys really make some nice progress. And I like it. It's a nice blend, Ben. I mean, for far as returning guys, experienced guys coming in, I really like our four freshmen. Uh, so I do. And I just think we've got a, a good blend of talent and a really good blend
1: of people. Who are some of those players that made really good progress in your mind that really jumped out to you this offseason?
2: Yeah, you know, I, I, I really could. I, I could I could name about everybody. here uh, Brooks was a guy that made a ton of progress. Uh, God, he lives in the gym. I mean, legitimate seven feet, 250. Uh, he's, he's this guy, he's going to be a really good defensive player, can make 15, 17-foot shots. Uh, you know, I mean, I think from a returning standpoint, I mean, Jarkell and Louise, Austin Crowley and Matt had a really, really good summer. Robert Allen, I mean, I can just go on and on and on. Uh, you know, our, our freshman, obviously, Deshaun Ruffin uh, is a great talent. Uh, we've got to get him to be a, a, a better, more diligent defender. James White was a good surprise. Eric Vander Heiden, really, really good shooter, great size. Uh, you know, Grant Slatton had some good moments. The, the, the pace of the game was a little fast for him early, really improved. Ty Fagan fought a few little knee issues, got totally healthy at the end of the summer, was much better. Uh, obviously, Jamin Brakefield is going to be a really good player for us, really, really skilled uh, at that position. So, yeah, I'm just, I know I kind of went through everybody almost, but but it, I mean a lot of guys had a lot of good summers.
1: Well, it's interesting, too, because I think I've talked to you about a number of different things since the spring, but I really haven't asked you this. When you were putting together the roster, when you are attacking the spring recruiting period, and you identified Nazir and Ty and Jamin as guys that you wanted, what did you envision as far as lineup construction? What were you looking for in particular with those guys?
2: Well, you know, obviously, you know, I mean, Nas has won an American Athletic Championship for Mick Cronin at, at Cincinnati. Uh, had almost 20 points against Georgia Tech in the ACC uh, tournament. I mean, Jamin Brakefield had some great moments. We know exactly Jamin Brakefield's ceiling uh, and his talent level. But more than anything, Ty Fagan had 19 points and had 13 points against us in two games against Georgia. But they're really, really good people, and they're they're they're, they're about winning, and they're great teammates. So kind of looking in the transfer portal, you know, we were involved in a lot of different guys, so we 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 really feel comfortable with the three guys that uh, that came to Ole Miss.
1: Well, Jamin's a guy you've been after for so long to finally get him on your roster. You're like, oh God, finally, I got it done. You know,
2: I know he 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 loves Ole Miss. He he just loves being back home in Mississippi. Uh, he's got so many pals, and from Jackson, that go to school here. Uh, you know, Jamin he he's a, even a much better shooter. Than what we envision from three, uh, like like a lot of guys, he's got some areas he's really got to uh, have a lot of work in. But I tell you one thing, he is skilled. He can really pass it, um, you know, and he's got a great great basketball IQ. And it really is just good to have him in our locker room.
1: Now, for you entering the fourth season, what have you learned as head coach of Ole Miss? Because it's been you're a veteran now. You've been been around for a little bit now at Ole Miss. So what have you learned about this job in particular? Um, and now taking it into year four, as far as trying to get back to the NCAA tournament, all that stuff, just everything about the program. What have you learned over four years?
2: Well, you know, I've I've, I've learned to love Ole Miss even more uh, because of the city and the fans. I know what I learned is how much we missed the fans after last year, and we've got to get this place rocking. and And I just think that when people start watching this team play, they'll come back to the pavilion. I've, I'd have enough experience in our, you know, here and throughout college basketball that, that I know that it's going to be an exciting team to watch. Depth plays a, a huge factor. Being able to shoot the basketball consistently from behind the arc is, is a big key. And I think that's something that we've really, really improved. Uh, you know, and just the things that we already know, we, we, we've got to stay being a you know, the number one defensive team in our league uh, last year. Uh, some of the things that we did late to win games. I'm so proud of our team. Uh, we we did think we're an NCAA tournament team. and uh, But, you know, I know one thing what I do know, this is going to be the best league in college basketball this year. And uh, I think it's going to be a lot of great opportunities. And I think it'll be with, for sure eight to ten teams in the NCAA tournament.
1: Yep, that's what I was going to ask you next. When you look at the conference itself, and where it was when you got here to where it is. Now it was ascending back when you got here and the you saw a new a renewed commitment in the league to basketball, but now it feels like, at least on paper and looks like that it is the best conference in college basketball. So to see the growth of the league for you, what has that been like and to be a part of it?
0: Yeah, it's
2: just what we all signed up for, Ben. I mean, that's why I wanted to be at Ole Miss and uh, you know, try to coach the best players, try to coach against the best coaches, coach against the best uh, players, there's a lot of really good leagues in college basketball. Uh, I don't know if we could have said we were the best league in college basketball the last three years. I think we can say it now. Now you know what we got to do. Now we've got to go out and win games in in November and December. Uh, and it's just I, I love the way the league is drawing. I think fans are itching to come back. I know our students. I see students all over the place, and they can't wait to get Club Red back going on that lower level and uh, in the pavilion. I think it'll be that way in a lot of arenas and uh, I love our challenging non-conference schedule band where I think we have some really really good opportunities and uh, hopefully show well for the SEC
1: yep that non-con is what I want to ask you about because last year you fell one game shy of the NCAA tournament and a lot of it had to do with being the last power five team to get started in December and not getting that non-con and losing those opportunities it was huge for the resume now you can't really get to the get that NCAA tournament bid in the non-conference schedule but you certainly can play your way out of it and get behind the eight ball. So to have this non-con schedule and the opportunities, how do you get the team prepared to a point where you can hit the ground running and get started really fast?
0: Yeah,
2: you know, I think the Ohio State scrimmage is a good one. I think they're they're a top program. You know, obviously they'll have a chance to win the Big Ten championship, well coached. So that that that'll be a great gauge for us. Uh, and then, you know, you're just going to get tested. We've got even – you know, the so-called guarantee games, I think are teams that have chances to be NCAA tournament teams in their, in their respective leagues. And you've got Memphis Dayton at home, really, really good teams, both going to be, I think, NCAA tournament teams, uh, tournament in Charleston, you know, obviously Marquette, West Virginia, Clemson, St. Bonaventure, all, all of them, you go on and on and on. And, uh, you know, and then to go to Atlanta, Western Kentucky on a neutral floor. So, uh, it's a great non-conference schedule and we're going to get a lot of opportunities.
1: Well, one of the last things I'll let you go. Leadership is obviously always a cliche, but important thing to talk about uh, heading into a year. What have you seen as far as leadership, especially from a guy like Jarkel, who it means so much to, and it's his last year and it's obviously for him, he's the head of the table, right? He's the one that everybody's looking to, to kind of lead this thing. So what have you seen as far as leadership from these guys?
2: Yeah, I just, you know, I'm I'm doing it for a long time and I don't know if I've ever had a guy better than Jarquel, and I've had some really really good ones uh just he smiles every day he comes to the gym he's uh he's in the gym at 6 six thirty. uh you almost got to tell him hey Jarquel, okay that's enough go to sleep you don't need to shoot anymore at, at midnight I mean it's a great uh habit to have and everything's important to him he loves his school he loves his teammates wants to do everything he can to get our team back into the tournament. And you're right. We've got a lot of good leaders, but it starts with Kale and uh, he's tremendous.
1: Well, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you this before I let you go. So recruiting-wise, usually this is the time of the year where you're going to bring kids in for football games, visits, and stuff like that. But with the advent of the transfer portal and obviously the different recruiting avenues that you have, how much different has this fall recruiting period been or going to be as you try to determine who to bring in, who to commit, all that kind of stuff?
2: yeah you know roster management you you hear that's the cliche the the catch term now, but it is the truth, and if anybody says they really un you know can really pinpoint your own roster, I don't see how you do that. Uh, I'll say this ben fan bases they're gonna have to concentrate on the players you get and not concentrate on the players you lose, or you just going you're gonna be a frustrated fan for the next fifty years and uh, and so recruiting is changed. you know it's a fine line of Transfer portal uh, commitment to high school kids early. You know, right now I think we've got eight or nine scheduled official visits in the fall, and uh, we'll go out the first day that we can we can go back out is, uh, is September the ninth uh, to contact kids. Uh, so you know, we're looking forward to it. We're involved with some really good players. Uh, against good competition and look forward to getting these, uh, getting these guys and their families on campus.
1: Has the process drastically changed? Because it used to be, okay, we're going to bring them in. We're going to bring them in for a visit. These are our top guys. If we can get a commitment from these guys, then they're going to sign in November. Now do you kind of have to weigh, okay, do I sign them now? Maybe I can hold them to the spring. How tough is the process now compared to what it used to be, considering everything that now goes into it?
2: Well, you know, Ben, now a guy can take 10 official visits. Five as a junior and five as a senior. I mean, he could visit the same school twice if he wanted to. So that's changed. You know, what I think is really going to change is this. Last year with the transfer portal, none of those kids took visits. So the process for those kids were a little quicker. I mean, I would personally like to see, like in the transfer portal, that, you know, just just think about this now, Ben. We're going to be going on each other's campuses and, uh, you know, when we can start going out and seeing transfers. Mm. I mean, I, I think that, that's hard. You know, I mean, that's going to be hard. That the only way that I can go to Georgia or wherever to see a kid, and that's going to go into campus. Somebody want to recruit one of my guys who came in the transfer portal. They're going to have to come in to the apartments or come into on campus. And so I, I don't think that's very healthy, you know. And so I, I hate that. I hate that part about it. Uh, And all those transfers now are going to start taking official visits. And so that process is going to be lengthy, uh, you know, obviously with the money, you know, of of the different schools around the country. And so that's something we really haven't experienced yet uh, that's just about to happen, uh, you know, in the spring.
1: Well, I don't envy your position, but thank you for doing this, my friend. I appreciate you. We'll talk again.
2: Thanks, Ben.